0: House podcast. Oh my God. Has it been a long time since we have done a podcast? I have been extremely busy. I'm surprised to even have time to get on here and do an intro to this podcast. And the only reason why I am releasing this podcast is because it's all about me. No, I'm kidding. I mean, it is about me, but that's not the only reason that I'm posting about it. But uh, Simon, a good friend of mine who's out in the UK right now, used to live in the city, still kind of lives in the cities, but the pandemic thing, still going, Um, asked us, uh, asked me to be a part of the Back to the City Minneapolis. It's a local uh, music blog, vlog, interview, uh, community-based music system uh, that Simon has, uh, you know, controlled the ship on and has been spearheading for a few years now. Local uh, channel MCN6 here in the cities uh, helps, you know, put these episodes out. Uh, MCN6 was also responsible for airing all the live footage that you saw from the Moodhouse Festival. So they're awesome. Uh, and so this aired originally on that station. You could see it in video on YouTube now, if you weren't local and weren't able to see it live on the beautiful cable access stations, which are awesome that there's still a thing, which are, is a dying kind of medium these days. Uh, everything else is okay with Moodhouse and Moody Black. We've just been extremely busy with the food house, which you'll hear about here in a second when we start off this conversation. I don't know. I thought it was a cool conversation I wanted to share with you all. If you all are fans of the new Fuzz record, I call it the new Fuzz record. It's been out over a year. It feels like it never came out. Uh, We talk all about that uh, and give that record a little bit more of its due and a little bit behind the scenes. Oddly, emotional conversation for me, which I wasn't expecting. I think I teared up a couple times just thinking about uh, my place in in creating music and, and all these things, which we are still very... Much doing, but we're doing it wisely. One of the things that I've learned during this pandemic is that it is okay and necessary, I believe, right now for everyone to slow down the art output and get back in touch with why it is that we're creating, as opposed to chasing this imaginary goal of of becoming successful and whatever that means in 2021 as an artist. It's all about the music, as cliche as that sounds. I've realized that again, and that's what we've been working on, and you'll see us soon, and you'll hear more from the Mood House podcast in the coming weeks and months, a little bit of a shift in our content and changing all that kind of stuff, transdemic new episodes coming out uh, within the next couple of months as well, stay tuned here, and enjoy this conversation with Simon, I don't fuck with it at all it's going to be heard by you as is i do not have time to edit i am going to go and run a restaurant now thank you all for being supporters check out noisewrap.com. buy a food house t-shirt buy some merch buy fuzz support us share it and we'll see you soon here on the mood house podcast Ugh. anybody can use for the release of fuzz was when the pandemic really hit because we had set up this tour and all this stuff with fig four the label overseas tour we'd had the plane take all the dates booked for everything, like end of March. A couple weeks before, tours canceled and the album was so far promoted and so in the pipe that it just had to come out and we had to figure out how to make the best of putting out a record at a time when everyone was completely not into the new record that was coming out.
1: And for all of those reasons, I'm really excited to dig into it track by track today. Before we do, Let's give Food House its due. Food House, the name of which, of course, references Mood House, is just off Lake and Lindale. New Era Tex Mex, you and Sean, yeah, Black, are behind it, yeah. creating Tex Mex meals specific to the El Paso region. Yep, exactly. If I were in Minneapolis, I would have been down there enjoying a uh, hipster death, which is now not just a song, but uh, a meal.
0: <laughs> uh, Thursdays
1: and Fridays, 4 till 10 p.m., Saturdays and Sundays, 9 in the morning until 2 p.m. Is that right?
0: For now, yeah. We're, the, the schedule's ever-changing, but yeah, the, the food house is... It's, it's, I, I, I call it a record. It's just... It's not. It's obviously a food establishment, but for us, it was out of that pandemic, out of not being able to tour an opportunity for us to do something else that we were also doing, which was cooking. That took off on Instagram. People love like seeing pictures of food and stuff like that. And then it became like me talking a lot about doing a food spot. One day, just a bunch of circumstances came up where I was basically forced to take the opportunities that were kind of presented to me and I did it. Uh, And then again, because of the pandemic, you know, there's opportunities for some people to potentially make new beginnings and, and we're just taking advantage of that uh, while we can't tour, we needed something else to do. So that's what we are doing. And we did it, which is crazy, because it was a lot of work. I always say, like, we have these interviews like this back in the day, or we would do music stuff. I'd always be like, oh, I'm busy. Or you hear people be like, oh, I'm busy. But like, I'm busy, busy. Like legitimately have no time to do things busy. I've never been this busy. I've never worked this hard. So, and I knew that was the case, which is why I always put it like uh, aside, like oh, I'll do it later because I know the commitment of being a chef and cook and owner is um and I didn't take it lightly. But here I am and so now I'm just kind of forced to do it.
1: I was just watching the first interview that we did for the Moody Black 3 EP. And at one point in that interview, you Drew an analogy between a master athlete and an artist who is who has mastered their craft, and uh, and a cook. You were talking about dedicating oneself to a passion, and to have thrown yourself into, to have passionately thrown yourself successfully into creating food house. How does it feel to return to that analogy that you were drawing before?
0: It's weird because it's the same thing. It's just I just traded. Doing well. I'm not training anything because the music stuff is always. That's who. That's just there. It's always in my head, but I mean, I've I've become obsessed with the food thing of being better and being the best I can at the food, which I was always doing anyway. But now that there's a food spot, now I have like a place to put that energy, and I'm like, ah, well, I'm gonna. I start to obsess. Just I don't think about it. It just starts happening. Where I'm like constantly thinking of how I can make things better with the food house and improve it. And because of that, like I'm getting even more opportunities to do things with it. And it's, it's just weird because it's like if you're passionate about things, I, I guess, like it, it, it's just an effortless transition to the other things that you, you're passionate about. So it's like it feels just like I'm making music. It's just the only difference is that it's, it's food and cooking. And it, it, the cool thing about the food house is that it's easier to get people on board because it's not crazy weird music. Um, It's food that they can actually enjoy and have a good time with. It's easier to win people over with a good taco than a noise rap track.
1: Again, when we had our in-depth conversation about the EP, we focused on the blossoming flowers and the rotting teeth and the together of those two images. We we related that to how the Black in Moody Black relates not to death and to terrible bad things but to the kind of disowned parts of oneself with the cornerstone to moody black being not resisting these parts encountering embracing allowing oneself to be transformed through encountering these these parts so it makes complete sense that there would be more...
0: Yeah. You make more sense of it than I do. When you when you tell me things like that, it it it, it uh, makes me see things that way as well, which is weird. That's why that's why I like it, and I like talking to people, and really like talking to, to you, because it's like you can contextualize some things that as an artist, like I don't really always think about. But when I'm told them, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I was doing. <laughs> like I don't you don't even realize it, you know? Like any artist that thinks that they know what they're fuck like uh, what they're doing. Like, it, I don't know. I just think that's a dangerous place to be. Like it, we have intent, but we also are like really naive and ignorant when it comes to our own work. And I think that that's why it's good. That is
1: why it's good. And especially if we're talking about encountering the shadow, there's an acknowledgement there that, uh, obviously as important as being intentional with one's art is. There is more than the mind of the yeah. artist this creator puts into the art. You reference an encounter with a shaman from when you were young and at the time you were transitioning from having basketball be your your primary identity. You would use the word cornerstone. The cornerstone of of, of movie Black does acknowledge the potency of having an identity that involves embracing that which one doesn't identify with and, and transforming. So it makes complete sense to be skeptical about the artist's attempt to kind of fix the meaning of something.
0: Yeah, to- that, that's, that's awesome. It's, that's totally it. And it's, it's weird because I'm learning now more than ever. Like um, I, I get caught up and I've been caught up and the pandemic helped me realize a lot of things that I was caught up in that I didn't like. Like identifying myself as a musician and artist and making my whole existence that. You become that. Like, it's fun, it's like always telling you like, uh, you know, we're, I'm a character and I, all that stuff exists, but the problem is you become that, that point of like, it, no, it's not a character anymore. You've now become this thing for good, bad or indifferent. And the k character characters, it wasn't, isn't something that I think is something that anybody should wear all the time. Cause it's not, it gets too dangerous, I guess. It's weird, but I've had this awareness with the food house too. Like, I don't want to just be defined as like an artist and musician. I think that's a really sad existence. And I've done that for a long time. And I'm trying to fight and get comfortable with not being defined by what I do. Like, I'm not just a musician and artist. I'm not just a noise rep. I'm none of those things. I'm all of those things. I'm none of those things. But I'm also more so what's more important mm. is that I'm just a regular like human beings. Like, mm. We get caught up as artists. You talk to a bunch of us and it's this huge ego and, ah, oh, my heart and all this. And I've been really confronting that. And I'm like, I don't want to be that anymore. I've done, I've been that. And I still am to this day. And I'm like trying to convince myself to step out of that. And because I've done that recently, mm. I'm like, where do I get my power from now? Cause like I bought into myself so much. It's weird. I know that sounds weird, but it's, it's kind of wild to, to have that dissolve. A few
1: days before we conducted this interview, happened to make a post about the genre noise rap and you were clarifying in the post that when movie uh, black coined the term uh we were talking about an extension of the beautiful noise era the 90s explosion of shoegaze, post rock etc with a medium yep. of heavy rap based beats usually driven by guitar spacey slow heavy could we begin by just reflecting on The significance of the genre, understood as such, and now a long way into the existence of Moody Black, having a record called Fuzz, the record name evokes a certain kind of sonic landscape.
0: Sure. When I started saying that, it was because I was getting influence from Jesus and the Mary Chain and my bloody valentine not not that much i didn't listen to those groups that much i listened to even deeper stuff like le bradford and pan american and Spiritualized, the Spacemen three that were like really no one knew post po- these post-rock bands and they had these shoegaze influence my brother and his and uh, his friend big j really cool uh, friend of mine also turned me on to and that was the vein that i was making the rap music with like and, and so that and and that was closer to what dialect was doing than anybody else. You go listen to Death Grips clipping all the every other noise rap band. Go listen to them. Sound nothing like Moody Black's expression of what noise rap is. It's so much more enveloped and emotional and and soundscapey and yeah. has all these varying expressions of emotion that all the other noise rap just doesn't have in its work. Which is there's yeah. nothing wrong with that, but it, it just doesn't have it.
1: Reading that post and re-listening to Fuzz on repeat in preparation for the interview. Awesome. That reference to shoegazy post-rock was very illuminating for me. And what you were just saying about the soundscape and the emotional significance of that. We were talking previously about the combination of this passion and the lack of a structure that is supportive. And this is perhaps, you know, more and more the case. There, there isn't like a kind of an initiation path paved out. You get everything lined up and then you go through this process. And then I found myself thinking about this soundscape itself as a container.
0: As a container for what? As a container for like the genre?
1: As a container for being, you know, for the evolving, entity that is moody black because if you're performing you know in character as kind of k-death the thing that makes it not just like a, a display of ego is there is this kind of invitation i think in the sound in this very emotional soundscape to enter this kind of alternative realm where you know, maybe like KDES is kind of presiding there. It's a space of transformation. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason why I use the word container is because we're talking about form. You know, the mm-hmm. form of the music is, is the noise rap form yeah. as defined by you. Yeah, what is the significance of that form? Perhaps especially in a live context because I think of Kevin Shields talking about the significance of the loudness
0: of My Bloody Valentine's say. Oh, I, that that's easy. That that it's what you just said. It's it's that it, it again it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't like I knew that in order to gain people's attention you have to have that sort of sound, but I think what it does is that sound the soundscapes that we work in, that Moody Black works in, that we've created and that we're known for, it's a way to get you out of your zone and allow you to, to get to our level. For an example, I'm a marginalized person of color, blah, blah, the same old sh- things that people say, the buzzwords that people say, I'm that. But I exist uh, in, a, in a way where I have an awareness that I am not that either, like, and that, that's conflicting. Because I have this privilege of this awareness and I consider it a privilege, because I don't think everybody is able to see the world like that, nor do I think they need to, nor do I think anybody's better or worse because they can or they can't. Mm-hmm. But because I have the ability to, mm-hmm. and, and because I feel so ostracized because of it, because I feel like I'm disconnected a lot of times because of it. Because of the awareness. Because of that awareness and because of the fact that I feel so ignored, I think the soundscape is just me willing myself to try to get your attention in the best way possible, which by proxy has developed this crazy sound because I've had to be this ridiculous and noisy and big just to get somebody to look our way. It's not frustration. I'm not frustrated anymore. It's just like I want to show you my experience of my world experience, my perspective, my world, because I think if everyone could get to that level, we might have a chance to connect with each other. I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's all about connection. And we're so divided right now um, that it's going to take Herculean efforts on everybody's part to give a little and to get a little on everyone's part. That, that, that's not just one, you know, i despise a lot of things that a lot of people do and I but I also can find a way to try to have some sort of compassion to find connection but I, I and I think that that's that ability and all that it speaks through like the music that's a part of our ethos anyway and again only if you ask me like I'm, I I again this isn't a purposeful thought this is only a thought that I went through in my brain and developed right now it wasn't like something I purposely think um, but I think that that's the best way I could put it
1: about halfway through the record, there's a few moments where the record is self-conscious about the genre of noise raps. Specifically, I mean, in I'm the One to Love, mm-hmm. there's like it don't even matter when the noise isn't popping. And then going into "High even more so there, there's this piece of audio at the beginning that's kind of conversational. Mm-hmm. And there's a reference to... There being no point in kind of sitting there and blaming someone for something. We're going to go and see a live band. And then the way in which the instrumentation then comes in, more so than any other moment on the record, there is this feeling for me of being, it's it's like being at a live show. That's awesome. There's an intentional kind of rawness and messiness to the way in which that is either performed or, or produced.
0: I'm the one to love is is a, a funny, like self-aware egotistical song. Uh, it's not an egotistical song. it's it's calling out the ego. Uh, I'm the one to love is a ridiculous notion. It's mocking myself. and but what's so funny is part of it's true. Like I have ego and I'm jaded and fucked up this is true, yes, but it's not at the end of the day, it's not it's not the old it's not the winning theme. It's saying that I know it's problematic and it's fucked up. and I don't want that kind of person in my life. and I'm that person at times and it sucks. Omni One to love is one of the only songs where somebody else was actually helping with production on that breakdown part of Omni One to Love where the drums change. Yonas from Blackhearts, a friend of mine from Denver who was consulting on this record because I've reached out to people, and I didn't make him very happy. i because, you know, he puts me in my place and is like, this is. I don't know why, what you're trying to do. Like, this is, you know, the, the drums don't hit, but he's got a point. So there was a lot of that going on on fuzz. Like a lot of like putting myself out there and wanting to get feedback from people that are respected and having to deal with being really humbled mm. because I, I need that. And then high V. It does feel more like a live, kind of like a live song, like a live band song. High V is closer to what is happening now with like the newer work that we're working on. So a lot of the stuff is is moving in a sho- in that shoegaze direction, and I'm moving further and further away from from rap, to be honest with you. <laughs> just, I think anybody that's heard Booty Black can kind of tell, and then especially with Buzz, I think you're starting. To, people are starting to get that vibe. As far as the live feel you that's cool you got that and that's really just field sampling us myself talking on a microphone but it wasn't i didn't intend for it to have that vibe it's funny it was pre-pandemic all the stuff on fuzz was before the pandemic and you hear a lot of themes that sound like it happened after that which is really weird it's named after the grocery store i spelled it differently so people wouldn't assume that because i love to go shopping i love to go but like then i'm shopping amongst midwestern white people and that's problematic as hell for somebody like me. It, it's just weird. But I'm, I'm talking about how I don't like to go out and I'm antisocial and you probably know the hook better than I do, um, but, but it sounds like we're stuck in a pandemic, the hook. It sounds like, you know, what is, how's it go? How's the hook go? You got to remind me. Around right here, we don't go out much, <laughs> We don't, don't go care for much. much. Yeah, so we're going to dance. It's just, t- and that's exactly like the pandemic. Like you had a choice, like either you're going to dissolve into uh drinking your woes away which I did for about three to four months of it and or you're gonna like lift yourself up and get out there and, and say whatever it is what it is and we're gonna make the best of it which I've done the last eight months but anyway that song wasn't about that didn't exist then so it was like weird. it's just weird how this record kind of coincides with all that stuff that happened
1: I think it does relate to well-being and yeah. we were talking about the invitation to for connection um that the performance uh kind of creates going back to i'm the one to love
0: yeah
1: there the vocal is i'm the one to love i am enraged i am all things are and the i am all things i think that's a that's a really significant moment so on the one hand as you've been framing it this delivery is is ego it's like ego on the mic i'm the one to love and what i was trying to get at earlier is that there you know the ego is an aspect of the anatomy no matter you know whatever framework we are working within whether it's psychoanalysis or whether it's you know we've, we've got some kind of spiritual anatomy the ego is a part of it and you know for a person to Deny that they that they have ego <laughs> would be yeah.
0: <laughs> you're supposed to though. As, as a good little artist, you can't, talk about you can't talk about it unless you're Kanye or something. Then it's then it's cool, or then it's a sideshow because you're nuts, uh, which is not cool either. But I mean, it's it's I am all things is exactly where I've been living recently, and and since that record, and probably forever, because I mean that's what we are. We're imperfect.
1: Yeah, and it's a radical I think it's... acceptance, a radical acknowledgement
0: yeah.
1: and commitment to integrating all aspects of the self.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it might come across as very egoic. I'm the one to love. I'm enraged. I'm all things. But through not disowning these other would-be disowned parts, there is the yeah. possibility of kind of you know, to use a kind of Christian metaphor, a redemption of, of all, of all parts, mm-hmm. I am all things. And it's not like Chris, is, you know, being the one <laughs> that is yeah. all yes. things. It's like unity, unity consciousness, you know, you know one kid. Yep. Um, yeah, exactly. How significant is that throughout Moody Black and Files in particular and um, how things are evolving now?
0: I say more so now than ever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think it always was. I think, I, like that's what I meant, you get caught up in like all these things. People would react strongly to things I said back in the day. And, and even now, if I say something, just like the noise rap post, and I, I start to think like as an artist, I don't know what fans or musicians want, like or sorry, fans of artists want, like supporters, fans, listeners. We're always going to do things wrong. Like we, we, no, none of us can say the right things, do the right things. And a lot of us as musicians and artists, especially independent ones, especially noisier ones, you're putting your life out there and being very vulnerable. And Somebody like me, especially. It's normal to feel, to personalize a lot of things online when you exist like that. And and I'm guilty of that. And I can get better at it and I should get better at it. But it's also, like, I shouldn't feel ashamed that I have these terrible, they're not even, see, they're not even terrible, but I have these qualities that are, you know, people say are terrible because we're artists. Like, we're not allowed to have that emotion or to say that because oh, you come across as pretentious or egotistical or who are you to? And that's not the case at all. You're just caught up in a moment, and then you post it, and then all of a sudden you have a reputation for being. Um, and you're that's true to an extent, and I'm and I've gotten a lot better at that, and I'm trying to work on those uh, those things because they do they can affect you negatively if you if you allow them to take over, which I have in the past and and even some days still like I let that take over there goes a post at two o'clock in the morning or something it
1: can affect you negatively if you allow them to take over they can affect you negatively if you disown them and deny that, that they are part of you at all uh like rage, which is most people yeah exactly <laughs> yes.
0: that's why they get mad when they see somebody expressing it because they, they I think that they feel they can relate to that and they don't they see it as a really negative thing
1: so we're having a, a conversation not about behavior outside of the the music we're, yeah. we're talking about the live performance say what's projected onto the performing artist mm-hmm. um, in in the act the final track on the on the record is called instant meme minor purge so there is a possibility here t- for a purging or of of some kind, but there's also the risk of being cast as bad, being shamed. Shame is a is a word which is in not every song on the record, but um, I'd say half of the songs on the record have the word shame in in them. Yeah. What reflections do you have on how shame, the shame theme in the record relates? to non-acceptance of, uh, of, I mean, of course, that's what shame is all about, uh, this non-acceptance <laughs> of the same parts, and the desire for the musical artist, when they're performing, to simultaneously embody all of that, but then perhaps then be deemed bad
0: for, for embodying all of that. This is the first time I've even thought about the fact that shame is brought is brought up uh, as much, but because it's... uh what I'm learning is I probably still have a lot of uh, trauma and shame yeah. about being who I am to this day, to this minute I'm talking to you, um, to the minute that, I, that I'm hearing my voice, uh, to the minute that I see my face on the screen and the disconnect of the face and voice. So there's a lot of shame that I grew up with burying certain selves or parts of myself. Again, it's not conscious. People think when they hear that, they're like, "Oh, I had to really tuck that away or hide myself." It's not really like that. It, it's kind of all happens subconsciously as you go through life, and and you get used to it. You just grow up like that, and you don't realize. I mean, I was doing a lot of things in private, so there's like the actual, <laughs> the actual shame of it, uh, because you're you're taught um, that you shouldn't do this, that, or the other, and there's a lot of shame because people are making fun of or talking about people that you might relate to. Mm-hmm. So that's where the shame themes come up because it comes up every day in my life. Like I feel uncomfortable being who I am be- because I've been told that that's bad. And no matter how comfortable you are with yourself or you work on yourself, there's still that feeling of shame. I can't shake it. Um, I haven't been able to yet. Maybe one day will, um, but that's really what the shame, that's why that keeps coming up. If, if I'm writing something, it's going to subconsciously just come up.
1: The lyric about shame that shames
0: that that
1: really struck me is everything public in America is shame-filled. Oh yeah. <laughs> everything public in America is shame-filled. So the pervasiveness of that, of this kind of vibration of, of shame. That one lyric seems to be stating something significant about the cultural context.
0: It is. Yeah. <laughs> what? which is basically that i mean it's again that's again the social media thing like it's like there's no winning like if you share your truth on the internet somebody's not going to agree with it right like it's it's it's, nor there's so much shit out there but then also you get you get shamed if you're definitely in a minority group and when you're living in that reality every day like i am like i go i can go on the internet right now and just type in Transgender on Google. Boom, shame all over the place. I think just something needs to ch- change. I, I just, it's too, way too overwhelming just to figure out how to, how to start changing that. Drawing this connection between your personal
1: experience and the broader picture, everything public in America is shame filled. That's definitely something that's doing mm-hmm. something. Awkwardness. Is a word that comes up a couple of times in the record in selfiness learned to be at stress with the awkwardness there's a lot going on in that one lyric i think it's not just being at stress with the awkwardness but there's this ability that it has been worked at actively learned to be at stress with the awkwardness it's not just a passive awkwardness either there's a certain posture towards it being at stress with it what is the significance of that lyric learned to be at stress with the awkwardness
0: i had to learn how to in in multiple ways in my life uh function and not only function but thrive with uh, a bunch of handicaps the main thing, it, well, when I talk about it, it feels like a trans theme, but it's more than just that because I was also an athlete and all these things as a kid. First thing when I grew up, or when I was really little, uh, one of the first ever memories, and this is just to give an example to bring context to, and then we'll get to it. It's very fuzzy, but it's like, you know, trying on one of my cousin's shoes or something. Some girl cousin I had, and, and I remember, being shamed uh or like it, uh, finding out from a, a somebody i don't know if it was a parent or a parent or like that 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 was like weird or wrong and in the same note i think a few years later because i'm bigger in my mind like four or five i like wore like girlier looking socks underneath real like a like normal white socks but you could see through them and i was a kid and didn't know that you could see through them even though it was very obvious and, and being shamed and, like, made fun of by, my, like, my dad's friend. I remember that vaguely. Mm-hmm. And then changing him. So from that moment, from being smaller, like, let's say three, um, I had already learned to hide. I don't know how, but I had learned to hide that I needed to hide something. Yeah. Um, and then it just goes on and on from there where it's like, okay, this is something that I have to hide and something I can't talk about. And something, and I just learned, like, I learned that because I didn't have anybody to talk to. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell, I knew not to tell my parents. So, like, I learned at an early age by myself that I had to hide it. And then I learned at an early age that I had to exist and move on as if it didn't, like, I didn't do anything. And that is really weird to even just talk about because it's like, just imagine growing up like that. I don't know if, if, I don't think everybody does, but like I had to grow up with like this massive thing that nobody knew or that I couldn't talk about that I had to like learn how to deal with. And so that's what the line was. And, and it's awkward because it's, it's an awkward thing to deal with. Like I felt weird and embarrassed and still to this day, awkward and feel weird and embarrassed. You, you know, when you're wearing women's clothes, you're not supposed to. Like it's shameful, it's awkward. And so that's what that was. Like I had to learn to be, and um, I, because of it, I was always like stressed out, you know, like by the time I was 12 or 11, I had, a, I was seeing a psychiatrist for depression. And I told the psychiatrist at the time stuff and I don't remember anything ever happening with it. I told my mom at the time. I think I, I we- weirdly developed it to be, the devil makes me wear girls clothes, I think was the actual line that I used. And it never was talked about ever again. That
1: was the narrative that you, that you presented.
0: You know how you see shapes and things? Like, I don't know if you do, but how you could see like a, like a wall and you see like a face in like the little hole or something. Yeah. I used to see stuff like that, but I would, in my mind, there were devils. Like I thought, oh, I'm seeing weird devil because they look like weird creatures and I would draw them. Right. I don't know where that came from. Um, and it's weird to revisit now. And that was in the, in Fuzz record, uh, something seeing devils in the windows and walls. It's literally, I was seeing that. Um, that song more than any is very straightforward with the, the trans theme. My parents called a shrink. I said, I'm wearing mom's it was just, this, That whole song, we're now talking about um, no mamas, which is stop playing with me, whatever it means. That's what learning to be at stress with the awkwardness came from was, was that was like, I had to learn how to do that still learning how to deal with the awkwardness because now it's awkward as hell. Cause I'm 30 something years old. And I'm like trying to make sense of what happened in my life <laughs> with all that. So, and the pure awkwardness of people just looking at me and all that stuff. Like it's all, my whole life is awkward as hell yeah. and music helps shield me. But when we don't have music and we're on the pandemic, I'm just a normal person again. And, and I'm dealing with all that. You know, I just want to exist and I, I know I, I can't, I'm too, I'm too out there.
1: Something else that's happening in that song is complicated pre-buzzwords. So yeah. you have this, you share the narrative, you know, I was seven years old, just the narrative that you were just sharing. Yeah. And speaking again about there not being structures, not being containers uh, within which we can make sense of our experiences and be, and be held and, and accepted and not have the pressure to disown there is, at this time it, in your life, when you're seven, there isn't the framework that someone who is seven, who was going through that, would have, even just in the form of words. Yep. That there, was and there was nothing. There was nothing, yeah. And and that's something which I think is really powerful in terms of identity and just being a human being and sharing, vulnerably sharing, you know, your Experience and in an even more extreme case than, than we were talking about before, the lack of an initiation right for you at the, at that time, and to some extent, you know, the the music can be a medium that fills the hole where there isn't the initiation right.
0: I wouldn't know what to do without it. I wouldn't know what that to do. Means- I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know where to put the stuff without it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that's you're right. That's it. And I didn't have it then, so it's like it's crazy. I was just like thinking about that like because there's no context for it you know like it's weird because oh like I was just I'm just hanging out we're just talking and all of a sudden like I started thinking about it I was like a little bit emotional about it just for no weird particular reason but it's just like no there was no buzzwords this is what's so and this is what frustrates me this is what I mean why I say these things as an artist sometimes when I go off is I wish people knew the weight of our work because I'm not messing around. Like, I'm not like, messing around. Like, I don't like know. I take the work that I write very seriously. So when people uh, can dismiss it, it feels dismissive of... They're, they're, and it would be if they sat down and saw this or heard me talk about it, I don't think they would react or say the things they do about our work. Uh, so I'm very grateful for you to be able to have this conversation with. So they, maybe somebody can get a better context of it. But yeah, like it, it didn't exist. And I'm so grateful now that kids will have those words, even the words or the ability. I just said you can look up transgender. Yeah, you'll get bad stuff, but you're also going to get a lot of supportive stuff as well. And I don't talk enough about that. Um, but that exists, That that part exists. And so I hope, and then our work exists for kids and it is existing for kids, which blows my mind. To have to have that, what I didn't have, which would probably would have resulted in a very different experience. (laughs) Um good, bad, or indifferent, because not everybody's experience, even with the words, is is good. So but yeah, you've helped me realize that a little bit today. This particular song
1: and Jesus Band, the song just before it on the record. They're both at the more kind of intense end of the spectrum, at times, with the noise, which yeah, I think we had this like existential significance we were talking about before, is like at its height in these songs. But in both of them, there's this moment where it's suddenly we're in this other space.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. In uh, in Jesus Band, it's about like two minutes twenty six in. Like, we're in the chaos, we're in the noise, and then suddenly it's almost like we're in this chamber. It's when the, the then the spoken word vocals about being locked away, mostly toxic, yep. and then I know it, I know it. There's this yeah. statement of knowing. And something like that happens in No Manas as well. Yeah. What is the significance of that transition that happens in both of those
0: songs? It's two parts. One is, as a producer, I just wanted to like, I wanted to have a, a collage kind of style to everything. Um, and then also as a producer, I was like, it, sometimes when that happens, I'm just sick of of, of hearing that, that part for so long. And I'm like, I'm going to change this here. But for like Jesus Bound was a lot of the times when I make records, they're fully, almost fully fleshed out. And then I go to Bob's, who's our engineer, and I flesh them out more towards the end of the records. And that song, Jesus Bound, just needed something different because it was just doing the same thing. And this is what's cool about being a producer and the vocalist, like I can do whatever I want. If I feel a certain way, I can literally do whatever I want in the moody black world and that's what's cool. I don't have to wait for, I don't have to ask a producer. I don't have to feel any, I just do it. So I did it. I wanted to have like beauty in, in that song, Jesus Bound. It's like a transformative little song. It is beauty.
1: And it makes me think of the rotting teeth and the the blooming flowers again. And I am all things, you know, the bringing together of blooming flowers pretty and rotting teeth, which obviously connotes ugliness.
0: Those are always there. I think those are forever
1: themes in our work, probably. The way in which these songs sound is so significant too. And the way in which the record opens with just the guitar
0: reverberating. That's funny you mentioned that because, again, I have the control. I could do whatever I want as a producer of everything. I'm a control freak. Um, But I wanted to set a tone right away. And I I look at the old albums too. I'm like, how did the other ones start? And I'm like, okay, those started like this. Let's make this one start different. And I'm doing that now for the next project but it was also a little bit of homage to the cure so a lot of the cures records start with like these really long instrumental parts yeah we didn't go that long as long as they would maybe we will in the future might be a hint but i mean it's i would love to go longer ah it's the people in the states that make me start saying words in france they appreciate our our long breakdowns and stuff especially live but i do that because these rap kids want all that dumb stuff on there i'm not doing that so much anymore so i can say it's dumb because i'm like i'm over it i like i would love to just have instrumental records for 90 percent of it and then just, i love the way it comes in it's just like then you get your drums and then the first word I, the first word i think on this record isn't even a word it's a sigh uh god is fuck, <laughs> broke like death in my trunk for months and it's just like like uh whatever like let's get on with this and Let me just spill my heart out to you. Like, here we go. It's like, I'm going to put all my life into this and talk about how it's going to change my life on this album and then no one's going to care. It's kind of like that, because that's really how I feel. Um, That that
1: sigh is the first vocal. And then a recurring vocal sound is ah. So we already looked at I'm the one to love, I'm enraged, I'm all things ah. But that's Mm -hmm. also in Picket Fence.
0: Yeah. I love that song, by the way. That, that's probably one of my favorite songs on the record.
1: Yeah, mine too. Nobody ever did anything like this before, Picket it Fence. Yeah. Uh, and... It's an, uh,
0: another awareness song, which is funny. Another poking fun at myself. Like, oh yeah, no one's done this before. Yeah, I'm sure no one's done noise and rap before.
1: Even just in the, in the lyric, putting nobody ever did anything like this before next to Picket Fence. It's an interesting juxtaposition because of course... Here's
0: here's what's really funny and we'll probably devalue this lyric for you and everybody else. It's so funny because the picket... No one knows what the picket fence thing is and it's it's so dumb. The picket fence was from... Not only from the movie Hoosiers. I don't know if you've seen the movie Hoosiers. But they do that play, the picket fence. And it's a play that no one had seen before and this coach had it kind of thing and it's this it's the dominating thing that wins all the games. And so I'm saying nobody's ever done this before like the picket fence. It's poking fun and I was like yeah picket fence like I gave it a cool name just like I gave noise rap a name. What I'm really doing is like this weird self-awareness bashing like it's destroying the ego. Um, mm-hmm. But it and it's also honoring it too being like yeah there's also a little bit of truth to the fact that nobody's done what moody black has done. So it's a duality again of of that and so that's what that song in the hook is, is because at the end of the day people say this is ego this is not ego like I think that Moody Black has done a lot of things it's a, it's a unique thing like there's a lot of people that say they're innovative and a lot of people say they're unique there's not as many people that actually are and at risk of sounding egotistical I think we, we actually have done some things that that would allow me to, to have some room to say that we have done some cool things that no one has
1: yeah yeah and that's interesting in that context to simultaneously be drawing attention to the distinctness Mm -hmm. uh, to the uniqueness of this sound it's it's obvious there's a there's the lyric the same plain formula with lame taste isn't following someone else's same plain formula yeah you know there's an analogy i think here between musically not following a generic formula and then on the most yep. deep existential level that we were talking about before not having been born into the culture where there is a pre-existing framework to make sense of uh, particular aspects of, of oneself wild there's yeah those two things are parallel in it yeah yeah And then near the end of Picket Fence, you're playing with self-awareness in the lyrics. I've never held my motherfucking tongue. Uh, There's another uh, there. Uh, In fact, I swallowed it. And then I've I've looked enough into my eyes. The worst I've done is criticised. So either the artist who's on the stage kind of doing this performance or just the human being who's being vocal about their experience and what's happened to them could be accused of being very focused on the self. And yet below it, regardless of whether someone thinks, oh, this is a bit much or, or, or whatever, there is the experience of
0: oh, swallowing the tongue. Well, there's a lot of things I don't say. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of instances where things I probably should have said I don't I haven't said. So that's, and that's what I meant by that too. But being self-aware, like with a specific example like Dave our drummer who doesn't talk to me maybe i pushed too hard maybe i was really selfish maybe i used him i don't think i used him like that but i could have inadvertently or i could have purposely so i mean it's like that's crazy self-awareness <laughs> and it sucks cuz you live with this and that and that's what i mean like i've looked enough in myself to be able to forgive those instances, and try to be aware of them the next time. And I hope that I can make good with people that that might feel that way. There's probably not a lot of them because I've really, really, really tried not to do that to
1: people. <laughs> You've referred a few times in the interview to all of us being imperfect humans. Okay, some of us are very uh, are striving to at least appear perfect, at least to yes. ourselves. <laughs> For me, shame you know everything public in america is shame filled goes hand in hand with the desire for perfection the expectation yeah. for someone to be perfect it's the expectation for oneself to be perfect and to disown and, and shamefully hide the parts that are not accepted uh, you know for whatever reason you know on a very abstract level there's a universality to that um, yeah. to to all of us having experiences of not being accepted and then projecting these non-accepted parts on others and then there's this desire to I'm, the, I'm good and they're bad.
0: <laughs> it all They all kind of feed each other yeah that's and that's where it's yeah and even having a self-awareness conversation about having self-awareness feels like there's something I don't know there's something I'm missing and then in five or ten years I'll be able to have a conversation that might encapsulate self-awareness and i thought i was on to something here and it might not be. that's why it's the self-awareness thing is it's crazy because ultimately i just like to say i don't know i don't know anything yeah. and and then people ask advice and stuff and that's another weird thing other than saying like oh just work hard <laughs> or something stupid you can't give advice because like so much of life is per, like what you find out on your own the
1: risk of having just enough self-awareness to be aware of having grown, but not enough self-awareness to be aware of all the growth that could yet happen. yeah, uh, a risky place to be in,
0: yeah. I've just noticed that too. The good thing about social media is learning about other people's situations and knowing that just because you think other people could do what you're doing or like just pick yourself up or like, just get it done. like get over your stuff. I hate that kind of talk because. We don't know other people's positions and their brains and their body and like what they're capable of. And we make a lot of judgments about people like, you know, there's a lot of neurotypical people or people that aren't able to do things like literally cannot because they're overwhelmed with whatever it is. And that's valid. Um, that is valid.
1: Absolutely. And bringing that awareness to, to music yeah. is so important. When we're talking about self-awareness of self-awareness of self-awareness, you know, it, one can start thinking, oh, it's just... You know, what's the point until we hit upon what you just said um, about how um, without self-awareness, it's very easy to construct these exemplars of how things ought to be,
0: which are fabrications and they're they're you they're weaponized all that stuff is like kind of weaponized now i hope that we will be on the right side of history and turn the page to honor that kind of stuff as opposed to ostracize and, and cast out
1: less shame me to change me, uh, which is i'm quoting feels there me, feels before we close there's some really interesting stuff happening at the end of the record there's a handful of songs my penis my baby fat <laughs> me and my face and instant me minor purge the tempo on all of those is so much slower something quite different is happening sonically with songs like those what's the mm-hmm. significance of the sound state for any one of those or even just like the fact that the tempo is so much slower in the
0: specific way that it is That's like my natural tempo It's like the slower stuff. The the faster stuff, I always feel like it's a little bit forced because people want that, particularly people in France, not not people in France, agents in France want records that are like, oh, let's get them dancing. Like, they love that. Um, And we did a lot of that, actually, on Fuzz, more so than probably any other of the records as a whole. I love but
1: that I, mean, too. I love I love dancing, and I love that too. But there's something yeah. significant about the use of rhythm. Again, yeah. I've been talking about the body and the and the brain. You know, neurobiologically, I think that there's something significant about these slower tempo songs.
0: Yeah, well, in in the context of fuzz, particularly where those songs fall, I think are like perfect. Too, yeah. Because like it, there'll be like intense songs, and then. The way that look me in the face drops is like it, it, it takes on that serious tone. That one's more again a, a little bit self pityish, but it, it's it's basically just saying like vulnerable. I hope that. What's that? Vulnerable. It's
1: perhaps the yeah. vulnerable one, and it's requesting that someone look you in the face.
0: Yeah. And that, and that's from not only from listeners, but in relationships that I have with people in my real life. Like yeah. it's like I want I want people to slow down and like appreciate you know one another but also more so that song is is that i hope that the work that we're doing doesn't fall on deaf ears while i'm here because you hear so many times of like artists like oh oh," they appreciated them when they're dead (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i hear that you i hear that a lot from fans of ours like oh they'll like it when you're i hear that all the time and i'm like what that's bleak like (laughs) okay so i have to look forward to like when i die for people to like this music and I think that that's an interesting, so I, I wrote, that's why I wrote that song of <laughs> like, don't let me just like die here before. And that's the part problem with self-awareness too. It's like nowadays with social media and we have all these examples of artists that have dealt with that. And so I can like see that and I see myself going through that pattern. And I'm like, Oh no, is, I'm going to, am I going to be that, that artist, which is probably not a terrible thing, but I mean, it's, it's better than just being terrible, but I mean, it's, it, that's, so that's what that song is. I think, can you, is there, do you have some lyrics in front of you from that song that just jog yeah. my memory?
1: I mean, it's a relatively short song all, and all the lyrics are significant. I can't tell the difference between dreaming and flying. The bank mm. door is open, the people denying. There's been a void with some shame. My friends felt like flowers. It's been too long. How much can I say I'm a god when I still hear talking about Grammys and fuck me and I'm <laughs> all about pretending that I'm happy for others.
0: There's a lot of other artists that are like, seemingly fans of other artists or music. And I'm like, that's weak. I'm just not into music like that. Like, and I, I'm made to feel like I should be. And I feel like you lose something in the music or your personal persona, if you're engaging in that rhetoric to me, like, it, and I've been very protective. I don't, I think Moody Black is where we're at, which I think is in a pretty good place because of the fact that I've refrained from that. We've meet, retained this like mystery of we're, we're other. We're not of, not to be like better than, but that we're not quite, we're not musicians. We're not a band. We're like something else. The quest for
1: mastery of one's craft and of one's self keeps on coming up. I swear to blood, I was Master Fang in selfiness. And then there references throughout like in uh, in jesus bound t- there's tamed fangs and and there's one other fang reference somewhere else as well but it's again i think existentially significant the the master fang lyric going back to what you were saying before about the chef and the artist and the and the athlete it makes me think of the concept of flow and control of consciousness honoring this this endeavor to master oneself, to observe and honor and integrate the different aspects—that's the human condition—to deal with the material that what that is one's and to make it a coherent one. Yeah, <laughs> chaos that it that it that it is initially experienced as and there's nothing stopping anyone else from being on. In fact, it would be wonderful
0: if we were it all quest for mastery. <laughs> What's funny too, is like at the same time, I think the next line after that, it wasn't enough. Yeah. I think it was, so it was like, I swear to blood I was master thing. It wasn't enough. It was talking about endeavors where I thought I mastered something or I thought I was the best noise rap something. It wasn't enough. I'm still here in this room struggling to make a living and surviving. So there's something I need to learn and a lesson of like thinking of things differently. And I'm doing it now. Fuzz, I think if you look at it at, at, in its totality was really almost like obliterating a lot of what I thought I was. It was like sitting here saying, here's what I thought I was, here's what... And then like being really vulnerable and saying, look how far I've missed the mark of, of that. And And since then, And then with the pandemic you go a year without playing and having that power i'm just like this deflated in a good way Mm. person now like and and that power that came from moody black that was so ego driven which was good and bad isn't there to draw on right now so like i I feel kind of empty with that stuff Uh, but it's now like i'm just making tacos (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's funny And but the energy is coming back through that, it's weird. Like, then my endeavor is I'm gonna make the best tacos in in the city, then it becomes that kind of quest again because I'm weird like that because of of the voids and the awkwardness and the shame. Like you mentioned, it's left these massive holes and these needs for me to prove myself over and over again because it's never, you know, it was never enough, like the song says. And what's cool is like now, I think you'll see for the first time a very different. Moody Black when the next project, because Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a total, like a finality, I think almost to to Fuzz. There's definitely an end of an era. I like that we're closing on Look Me In My Face,
1: while you're singing, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to put the pain aside. And the the chorus ends, I'm done with doing what I used to do. Yep. That's the point that the record gets to. So, yeah, it'll
0: be something new. I think the first song talks about feeling good. So I, th- I think i played like a second of it on Instagram. It's like, uh, the hook is like, I feel good. I'm all right. That's the hook. That's the first hook. So, I mean, already there from the beginning of, and it doesn't sound like I feel good or, or anything, but I'm just saying like it, the tone's different. I think we're just toning back a lot on a lot of the soundscapes. Everything's big and huge, but lesser of distraction. So I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it all goes.
1: Thank you so much for taking this journey through Fuzz with us today. And thank you. You're, you're very welcome. I'm looking forward to enjoying that hipster death at uh, at food house. Hipster uh, death veggie. Hipster death veggie. Yes, exactly. Yes, and hopefully not too long after that, we'll get to witness uh, Fuzz in performance and not too long after that, we'll get to experience the new, new era of
0: Moody yeah. Black. It'll probably happen oddly enough at the same time. So we'll see, cause that's what France is asking for. So that's what they're going to get. I haven't been
1: to other parts of Europe for a long time. So I look forward to witnessing Moody Black in their
0: element in Paris. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Do you think that can happen? I hope that can happen. That'd be awesome. That can happen. That can happen.